What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent. Saturday morning, coffee podcast. Coffee, drinking coffee, on and off. We can't get here in here at night all the time. I'm very excited for this conversation we're about to jump into. This is somebody I've been following on Twitter since 2013, I believe. Five years. Lurking in the bushes, just watching him tweet about crypto. Finally get to meet him in person. Excited to have him in the studio. I'm sure some of you, probably most of you, if you're on crypto Twitter, know him. Uh, I'd like to introduce you all to Carpe Noctum. How's it going, guys? It's good to be here. It's good to know about uh, YouTube creators, <laughs> uh, podcast creators, because I know how it is. We'll, we'll get to it, but I know how it is starting out. Uh, you know, you're screaming in the wind, basically. Right. Until you get somebody to say, to signal, like, hey, this guy's doing something real. Right. Check it out. So, yeah. So thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. Yeah. An inspiration. Oh, come on. We've I mean, got a lot to talk I, about. I always tell people, listen, I'm just some guy who like, <laughs> has been here a while. Like, I'm nothing special, honestly. Like, I, I imagine most people, you know, when you meet your hero and it's like a complete letdown. <laughs> like, that's probably every interaction with me in real life. Uh, you're living up to expectations so far. So, <laughs> okay. Stay on this pace and you'll be good. All right. All right. Sounds good. Um, uh, I brought the tether shirt today. You can't see it, obviously, if you're listening. but uh, There's no need to be upset. I always keep one ironic crypto <laughs> shirt on me at all times just in case <laughs> something goes down just in case you have to hop in a podcast booth right so let's talk about it. you've been around for a while uh main topic i want to talk about with you in particular is crypto twitter yeah it's been an anomaly that's been growing yeah it's it's been insane man. some would say a cancer that's been growing <laughs> on the internet for the last five six years i don't disagree with that it's gone from like um uh what is it what is it where it's like non uh, non-spreading cancer like not metastasizing you know, it was like a lipoma in the beginning. It was just this thing that grows somewhere, and now it's like fucking pancreatic cancer. You know, it's just it's everywhere. It's crazy. It's everywhere, and it's evolved a lot. It has, in not good ways, in my opinion. Why? Uh, why do you say that? Like, let's talk about the good old days. What were the good old days like? <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about the good old days. Um, <laughs> you know, the good old days were like 2013, 20 guys, whale club, all anonymous for the most part. This was a Teamspeak chat. It was like. I found it on like Reddit, uh, Bitcoin Market subreddit, mm-hmm. which back then was also very uh, decent and useful and vibrant. Um, now it's more like just a giant shit show, like everything else. But um, I think every every Reddit subreddit, crypto related subreddit is yeah. Accessible. But even the Bitcoin subreddit was like amazing. Like I'd go on there every day and like check like what's going on, you know. But I rarely visit it now. I I don't go on it unless linked to it to to read stupid things. Yeah, yeah. So I don't even know how I, you know, I think I discovered Bitcoin a little bit through Reddit, a little bit through Slashdot, a little bit through a buddy of mine who was into Litecoin super early. Um, And so I was connected to Reddit anyway for like Diablo 3, like video games, you know? (laughs) Uh, So like, let's see if there's any Bitcoin stuff on Reddit. And there was, and uh, found this pod, this uh, TeamSpeak channel, and uh, then I was hooked. Uh, I don't know. Like I was hooked because I knew nothing about anything. I knew nothing about trading. I knew nothing about computer science, economics, nothing. That's what I was going to say. What was your background? You weren't a trader? No. no. Uh, biology. So uh, yeah. I tried to get into med school three times, failed. So <laughs> here, here I am. <laughs> um, it's not a bad fallback. Yeah, it's been okay so far. <laughs> um, but yeah, to to know like where where things were then and where uh, I've been as far as uh, just completely rerouting my whole life course you know it's it's insane but so yeah from there there was like um just team speak just grew exponentially um yeah 2014 
towards the end of 2013, 2014, sort of died off. With the market. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then um, there was some, like... Ex- you're, you're one of the few to stick around during the dark days. Yeah. Uh, I was. Um, it was weird. I'd watch an Andreas video and just buy more Bitcoin. <laughs> like, I would, so I would dollar cost average all the way down right. um, and just say, I think this is going to be a thing. I drank the Kool-Aid, you know, every day, and it was a gamble, giant gamble, you know, and it paid off. I don't know. Like, it, it was weird. So what was it like getting into trading? Like, what, like, <laughs> obviously the gains probably drew you drew you in, but you are very methodical with your trading process, uh, I would say. Yeah, I think when I when I watch people do something and I have no clue what what they're doing, I'm like drawn to it for some reason, like a moth to a flame. Like I just want to know more. So um, I uh, I was seeing all these people doing all this trading stuff, and I had no clue. And so I just started googling everything and like learning and listening. And a big part of it was talking to people on Teamspeak who knew way more than I did. Yeah, and that's definitely a key now for people. Like find a community with not necessarily one person, like a guru, but like people who you can talk to and bounce ideas off of because uh, for the most part if you don't know what you're doing it's very difficult yeah you're you're running around blind yeah it's uh and it's a very vicious world i tried all coin trading before yeah not for me yeah it's not it's not for everybody i don't have the uh i don't have the uh emotional capacity to to trade i get too emotional yeah, I treat uh, treat um, altcoins more like investing. Where it's like I'll just buy the lows and sell it later. Like, yeah, I don't pay attention to the charts really. Um, no, no. I'm, the stuff I'm like trading, trading. I'm trading on leverage. I'm trading these high high volume, high liquidity, high market cap stuff. Not like uh, I don't know, like clams or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, hmm, what can we dive into here? We can, we can take those many ways, many ways. I want to focus on uh, crypto t- trading Twitter in particular because, mm-hmm. like you said, it was um, it's a very like people are willing to give back if you approach them in the right way. Sure, yeah. Right, like if you're looking to learn something, you just have to be able to approach somebody in the right way. And nine times out of ten, they'll be willing to help you out. But I feel like uh, a lot of people like try to take advantage of that and and annoy a lot of like the OGs, if you will. <laughs> Yeah, and that's when I start getting salty, and then everyone's like, you're salty. And then I'm like, I get more salty. I'm like, fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> um, yeah, so Twitter sort of was always in the background. Uh, it wasn't in the beginning. It definitely wasn't like this huge thing that it is now. Um, but it sort of evolved between like TeamSpeak. Um, there was Slack. There was uh, IRC. There was... Uh, Telegram, which, which is huge now. There's Discord, but all the while, Twitter was like remained constant. Uh, right. All these other things, you need like uh, specific permissions, or you have to know like how to get to certain places uh, for like channels. You know, right. there's some exclusivity. Yeah, there there is. Uh, in Twitter, there's you, you have to know what you're looking for to an extent, but there's more openness as far as you know. Everybody's just shouting in the wind, right? Yeah. So you can just follow whoever. Follow Friday's huge, obviously, for that, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, if you get a carpe noctum hashtag FF, <laughs> it's a huge deal. The, the rare, <laughs> the rare. Uh, you know, it's it's become to the point where I have to like be conscious of what I'm tweeting because there's so many people. Well, they'll uh, 
accuse you of moving markets. Yeah, right? like no matter what I'd say, someone's going to be like, like the other day, like I, I tweeted about EOS and XRP. I think they're both complete nonsense <laughs> trash, but um, I'm going to trade the chart. Like, Yeah. So let's get into that, like trading the chart versus like, so I'm a butt mad Bitcoin maximalist that hates all coins. Yeah, I listened, uh, I listened to your Ari podcast before this. I always do my homework on these podcasts, people, because you never know what you're walking into. You yeah, know? you know, um, things, get, things get cosmic on this podcast and sometimes. Yeah, and we, uh, I connected with you on that Bitcoin max- maximalism. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Bitcoin maximalist masquerading as a profit maximalist. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, like that description. Because I, yeah, I'll trade anything, but mm-hmm. uh, what I believe in, like my heart of hearts, no chance I believe in most of this garbage. And let's get into that. So EOS is launching today. Why do you think EOS is garbage? <sighs> I don't. I don't know if it's garbage yet, but can you believe in anything that raises four billion plus? Four billion in a very sketchy way. Goes to all these roadshows in the U.S. Even though they're not um, allowing well, U.S. investment. Yeah. Um, Larimer's got a giant rap sheet, if you will, as far as projects, <laughs> uh, BitShares and Steemit. Um, he's had, but he's launched two successful blockchains. Yeah, people say that. People say, like, look at the transactions on BitShares. And, like, They're all robots. You were tweeting about that the other day, weren't you? Somebody was, Somebody was. I was probably retweeting it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, are they organic? Are they of any actual value? Like, if you look at the median transa- or, uh, median value of those transactions, I'm guessing it's, like, less than a penny. Yeah. Um, if you've tried to use their decks on BitShares, I mean, they, they were revolutionary in that respect, but uh, you can't. I've tried. Like, it just doesn't work. So, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> and then Steam it, like... I mean, I, yeah. So, Steam is probably more of a thing than most things. But the economics of Steam, it, like, just aren't there, right? Are they? Uh, I I think the coin, the total coin, um, uh, what is it? The total number of coins or whatever, I think is just too, way too high. Yeah. But I think it sort of needs to be for that market to make sense, like to use it as upvotes and downvotes or whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, and they're kind of just like ripping off medium now. Yes. Because they like reskinned and uh, everything just looks like medium, right? The the blog site. Do um, they have claps yet? I won't be surprised if they have like a non-value like uh, voting system Mm -hmm. soon. I don't know. Like, uh, I think that's where they're headed. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't use Steemit. I've tried to like post my shit on Steemit, and it's just like too much of a pain in the ass. Yeah, I don't go on Steemit either. Yeah, Medium's free. Exactly, Medium's free. It there's there's like a a component where you can monetize your stuff, but for the most part, it's free. Yeah. Um, that's very new for Medium, the monetization thing. Um, yeah, but it's like, why bother? That's the biggest problem with all these projects. How do these projects create a network effect to where they have value? Well, to me, it seems like it's a bunch of solutions looking for a problem. Definitely. Definitely. And trying to replicate Bitcoin's success. But I I don't think it's going to happen. Like, Bitcoin was so organic. Mm -hmm. And I do believe in the immaculate conception of Bitcoin. We We can listen back to this, like, two years from now, and, like, EOS is, like, you know, a powerhouse, but... No, well, I had Joe Looney on here, the dude who started Rare Pepe's a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And he he described EOS as, like, the polar opposite of Bitcoin. Like, if the market decides that it wants complete centralization, like, like a completely non-decentralized network with a blockchain on it, then EOS is the perfect thing. Well, there are so many 
things with Ishtios that aren't even in stone. Like it's like a lo- giant lava field, you know, where if you step on it, you're like, oh, I just burned myself because I didn't know that that was changeable. You know, things like the Constitution, things like... <laughs> Let's the, talk about the Constitution. The, the 21 oh validator thing. There's just like so many issues. Um, so in EOS, every time you make a transaction, right, the miner has to hash into the, the miner that mines a block has to hash the Constitution of EOS into that block. So I saw that the panic guy on... Uh, Twitter posted about that. Mm-hmm. I met him. I met him in person. He's a nice guy. Um, I I didn't know about that constitution thing. Neither so. did I. Until like last <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of like dumb and stupid. Like who who cares, right? I don't know. It's just like this is a, this is what Bitcoin was created to get away from this shit. And like again, solutions looking for problems. Like you're just trying to you're trying to throw this shit on the current structure under which we li- we live and and tr- sort of apply blockchain to our existing political and financial infrastructure when I think this is just going to like organically create a system parallel that we will eventually transition to. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people are confused out there. Well, I encourage everybody to watch a Brendan Bloomer. uh, uh, He's part of block one um, of EOS to watch his pitch like now and then like six months from now and see like how much EOS is like shifting away from all those promises of like infinite transactions and like DAX and DAOs and all this other crap. Has his uh, pitch changed at all over the last year? Uh, I've heard it twice from him, like a few months in apart, and it was it's always been the same. Like we're gonna take over Uber, we're gonna take over Airbnb. <laughs> like <laughs> oh my fucking uh, god! Like it, that can happen with crypto. I don't think it's gonna, gonna be EOS, but it can be. Um, but I don't think number one like. You're never going to get mass, ad- I mean, not never going to get mass adoption, but like normal people are not going to be using this stuff. Like, do you think the crypto community can grow a network effect? Like the UX of using this stuff is so, it's such, su- uh, sets such a high bar, like barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. And I don't think like if you walk on the streets of New York and you're just walking by people, it's like, we'll use Ethereum as an example too. Like that's what I like when I remember I'm like walking and talking to somebody like making the case for Ethereum. We're walking down the street. I'm like pointing at people. It's like, could that person use a MetaMask wallet? Could that person use a MetaMask <laughs> I couldn't wallet? even use a MetaMask wallet. Like, I used it the other day. I was like, I, the the transaction fee thing um, wasn't clear. Like what? Yeah. What, uh, anyway, but yeah, it's like um, nobody's gonna be using this shit. Like the people like like can barely use Uber and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it needs to be deep in the background. Right. Um, many people have talked about this. Andreas definitely, but. Uh, you know, even with the visa thing that happened yesterday, like visa went down. Okay, um, but it, they there's, they could easily have like a backup system or something runs parallel where it's like decentralized. Blah blah blah. Like that's what it's going to be. It's not going to be people like pulling out their phone on a QR code, uh, knowing that it's Bitcoin or EOS or Ethereum, whatever. Um, uh, I think it'll just happen. You know. Yeah. It's going to take time. Yeah. But back to EOS. The, the other problems. You know, they have these twenty one validators who are they're going to say are decentralized in some manner. Um, that's not a level of decentralization I strive for in my coins that I invest in. At 21. I don't know. 21's a big number. <laughs> Your average six-year-old. Well, they're, they're going to have backups. Uh, the other thing about these 21 validators is they're going to make a massive fuck ton of money on inflation and doing their job of mining, validating, whatever. Um, What's on, like, no overhead. They're supposedly supposed to uh, be actually contributing back to the project. I don't know. They're like all these pockets of people, like Bitfinex wants one, uh, which is weird. 
Uh, New York wants one. There's like cities that want one. New York? Yeah, there's like an EOS New York. If you if you like dive deep into the community, you see like these areas of like physical geographic locations that are popping up as like and they're just gonna pull hubs their... for like innovation for EOS or whatever. <sighs> God damn it. Um, um, and the other thing is Larimer, he's promising like all these uh, transactions per second and in testnet like it's only reached like 6k or something really yeah that's interesting so in we'll see what the mainnet does i mean i i we've been talking to a lot of people about it i think it'll just crash and burn initially and the the, the honeypot is huge right like to to hack yeah yeah and it's one event everybody knows what's going on like i don't know can you imagine if exchange like sends the tokens to the wrong address to switch them over somehow, <laughs> and then they lose like all of the the uh, DAO hacker comes back. Yeah, like, now all your coins are mine. Some sort of like DNS re- hijack, redirect. I don't know. Like anything's fucking possible with yeah. this thing. We'll find out in about eight hours, right? Yeah, I haven't I haven't looked. It was like thirty hours yesterday, but yeah, uh, yeah. it's coming up. We'll see. It is pumping though, <coughs> as we speak. As expected. Which was good to see. I hold some EOS right now. Um, just because why not, right? What does that mean, like holding EOS? You basically hold the ERC-20 token, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Until mainnet. And that's another thing. Like EOS could be put a lot of downward pressure on Ethereum prices if uh, they want to unload. It could have and should have. If they did it the right way, they could have uh, just spun shit around with a fee, uh, like um, this mixer. So Ethereum fees right now are going up uh the gas usage is going up uh all this is sort of related to this giant mixer that's going on in the background nobody really knows why yeah what is that mixer it's like makes up like 90 percent of the transactions right yeah at one point so yeah that was um some like russian team or german team like 2017 ran this thing where they found like most of the transactions were mixed uh i actually asked them recently to like rerun their analysis because i I found it on GitHub. I tried to do it myself, but I'm not like technically inclined like that. So I asked them to rerun it, but it was there in a different language. I don't think they understood what I was saying. Um, but I don't that that I don't think that's the case currently. Uh, it's just recently it just like picked up again. Yeah. But but if I was Larimer, Bloomer, all these people who are like ETH is dead, you know, <laughs> I, I would short it. I would fuck with the fee market. Like the, it's a decentralized thing. You can do whatever you want, right? Do it. Okay. Pull the Jian Wu model, you know. Exactly. Say like, look at ETH. ETH it's dead. Come to EOS. <laughs> right? Look at uh, Bitcoin. It's dead. Come to Bitcoin Cash because uh, the fees are whatever. Bitcoin Cash fees have been uh, higher than Bitcoin fees <laughs> for the last twenty four hours. Yeah, people, I don't think really you funny. know. Not in dollar terms, but in Satoshi terms. Mm-hmm. Satoshi's per byte. Um, back to EOS. Uh, so Block One, Block One, they're mm-hmm. basically like the Ethereum Foundation. Would you say equivalent? There, I think there's like been um, some learning between all these projects as far as like how to handle uh, the the crowdsourcing of the money. Mm-hmm. You know, like like Block One, it's in the Caymans now. Uh, they have a EOS Foundation, maybe. I can't remember, but uh, everybody has a foundation. Like IOTA has a foundation, and Bitcoin had a foundation at one point. Um, but uh, I think that's very like just like legalese to avoid like being sued. You know? Yeah. Um, because EOS is definitely a security. And <laughs> XRP, the security. Okay, it's a security. Period. End of story. That's no, the standard. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just so funny to watch them pivot 
uh, so hard when they know they there's just, like something's coming down. They just did a redesign, didn't they? That that's the thing. Like they're, it's just this thinly veiled thing where like we're gonna get a new logo from the community because we're decentralized. <laughs> and then uh, either yesterday or the day before, they released this tweet like uh, hard hard work of six years pays off to release EOS one or uh, XRP 1.0 from our decentralized community. Like just like cramming it down our throats. Like it's we all know it's not decentralized. Where are the first thirty five thousand blocks? That's what I want to yeah. know. Where did uh, they go? Yeah, XRP has tons of problems too. For some reason, that's like, like newcomers, like the last wave of newcomers. Ripple was like one of their like, it's gonna win. It's gonna be three hundred dollars. People were telling me I was like, that's a thirty trillion dollar market cap. Like, no, it's not. When it was consolidating, um, I've told the story a few times now. But when it was consolidating, I was hearing in these back channels on Telegram, like all these people and all these random places were asking about XRP, like mm-hmm. not Bitcoin, not Ethereum, XRP, um, like like clubs and music <laughs> venues and like just like conversations with people on the street like uber lyft whatever um and at the time it was really hard to buy still is really hard to buy xrp like you can't buy it on coinbase you have to get a Polonix account you have to get a bitrex account whatever um those were like closed at the time like to new people so it was really hard to get and um that was a big signal for me like fundamentally like something's gonna happen yeah eventually like if anything, like I believe in technicals above all else, but if I see the chart consolidating and people are trying to clamoring at the fucking door to get in, like yeah, I'm gonna pile. Take in. advantage of that. What yeah. do you get from like sixty cents to three bucks, or like uh, something like that? Yeah, it was it was nuts. Yeah, yeah. My cousin, my new coiner cousin, was like, "Ripple's good future, man." I'm like, "All right, good luck with that." Well, I feel like you're a maximalist of whatever you start with. So like, yeah, uh, there are a lot of Tron maximalists and like ETH. You know the Silicon Valley ETH heads are just all, all over Twitter. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a confession that I've been hesitant to make. <laughs> okay, good thing I'm sitting down. It's very embarrassing. I was a Veracoin maximalist at one point. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> Proof of stake time, man. It's gonna change the world. The thing with all these uh, ICOs, all they're doing is trying to replicate the altcoin model. Like exactly. With the crowd, crowd fundraising, whatever. Like, how can we make something look like it's a project that's legitimate and get money for it? While at the same time, if it fails, like, the cops can't come after me, you know? Yeah. Like, we raised a million dollars. We tried. Like, oh, oh well. <laughs> well, that's... It's going to circle back to EOS again. We raised $4 billion and, like, Block One and a couple other entities are in charge of basically investing that money in projects yeah so they get to pick the winners and choosers it's completely ass backwards like it doesn't make any sense yeah i was joking around too like the headlines recently have been like four billion dollar project uh raised on no uh no product or whatever uh the next headline is going to be four billion dollar project loses billions to hackers (laughs) (laughs) that's i was thinking this morning like when i was right now we're gonna talk about yes it's like Four million, like it's the biggest honeypot in the world. Like it, it's definitely going to get attacked, and if it does get attacked successfully, it's going to be like a huge shit show in the media. Like, yeah, four billion dollars, just, yeah. I mean, and that's no reason to be uh, determined. 
there's no reason you can't speculate on that as far as trading is concerned. Because, um, you know, people might say, like, you own EOS, but you think it's trash. Yeah. You own Ethereum, but you think it's trash. <laughs> it's like, well, again, I'm like, back to the chart. Like, I'll trade whatever the chart tells me to trade, and I'll speculate on mainnet releases all day long. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, we'll see what happens. Um, I would, either way, everybody's talking about it, you know? Yeah. Let's dive into trading a little bit more. The charts, do they talk to you? Uh, and And how so? They do, you know, it's, um, it's like a language I tell people too, but, uh, I can't look at a chart without a cloud on it anymore because I'm like, I don't <laughs> yeah. really know what's The one going thing on. I wanted to talk about is the Ichimoku <laughs> clouds. It's, um, it's like a handicap now. I just need it to like show me, like, so, it's like, the, uh, so I tell people I'm the cloud pope, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it gets like, it gets, uh, sent for me uh, from on high somewhere and, right. um. So let's get a little educational here. Let's set the uh, let's set the scene. Um, there's a contingent of traders that think technical analysis TA is bullshit. Mm-hmm. It means nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another sect that think TA is very helpful. You fall under that, I would argue. Uh-huh. And then, so your favorite indicator uh, or I don't want to say is it indicator Ichimoku? It's yeah, it's indicator overlay, whatever. It's yeah. the Ichimoku cloud overlay. Yeah. Um, so let's dive into it. What is the argument against TA? Why do you believe in it? Yeah. And why is this tool important to you? Yeah. Um, so the the biggest thing is, like, if you don't use TA, what do you use? You can use fundamental analysis, or FA, which is the other side of the coin. Um, but the problem with most of this stuff is it's difficult to impossible to actually uh, analyze anything with fundamental analysis. Yeah. You can certainly look at wallets and adoption and things like NVT ratio, which is, like, network value to transactions, which is similar to PE ratios from stocks and blah, blah, blah. Like, you can port in all this legacy. Thank you, Chris Berlinski. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can port in all the and Willy Woo. Um, you can port in all this uh, legacy stuff to do fundamentals, but um, at the end of the day, part of the reason why I'm sitting here at all is because technicals work so well on Bitcoin because fundamentals don't. And everybody's looking at the same triangle. <laughs> everybody's looking at that same trend line all day uh, because they don't know what else to, to look at. I mean, that's so, so let's tell the freaks out there who may not be trading savvy what we're looking at here on these charts. Sure. Uh, so, but, but, but back to TA. Like, yeah. if, again, if you don't use TA, that's fine. I don't give a fuck. If you think TA is garbage, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't, you don't need to argue with me about it. I don't care. It works for me. It makes me money. I don't care what you do. Not you, but in general. Because um, people are always like coming at uh, uh, Noose is another one. He's in New York, actually, too. Um, Anthony? Yeah. Anthony? Yeah. He, uh, he's like, yeah, I don't even bother arguing with people in public anymore about that because it's just like... Francis fun. Coppola just wrote an article about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was insane. I like, saw Javis tweet about it last night. It was like a tweet thread, then, oh, it's an article on Forbes now. <laughs> like, that's how desperate the media is to get something. Um, yeah, so TA, it, you know, it works for some people, it doesn't work for other people, whatever. I don't care. If it works for you, great. Like, yeah. I don't need to convince anybody. I don't need to create buy-in. The moment that you buy on a line that you drew or whatever, and it works out, like, boom, you're off to the races. Like, yeah. that's good enough for me. Um, it's about probability. It's about if-then statements. It's about risk mitigation. Um, so, yeah, that's TA. Um, I first heard about Ichimoku Cloud on, uh, if you know, uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name. Uh, it was BTC Vix and somebody else mm-hmm. on one of these Google Hangouts, like in 2013. Uh, and they said it a funny way, and it was really complicated looking. So it's like, again, like I'm drawn to these things that are super complex. Uh, so I was like, what the hell's going on here? I have no idea. 
let's look into it. Um, and basically, I am really lazy. I don't like doing a lot of anything ever. Um, I'm with you there. Yeah. So what the cloud is able to do for me is to always draw all this stuff automatically so that I don't have to do anything. And that also removes my bias most of the time. Uh, you know, you can read the cloud in many different ways, but um, it helps remove bias, you know? And how do these clouds work? Like when the price gets a certain distance into the cloud, it's sort of an indicator to reverse yeah. trend or... Yeah, so in general, the cloud is all about finding a trend and making sure that you're in 80% of the of any trend. So yeah. the first step is, is it is it a trend, yes or no? And then what's the entry, what's the exit? Like that's where the 80% comes in. So it's not always perfect as far as uh, capturing everything, you know, like it didn't capture 2017 extremely well because it didn't get you out at like 19k or something yeah um, but that's not the point the point is it captured 80 percent if you look at it on the weekly especially like it's captured everything since 2015 basically like it's done really well um so that's that's why i use the cloud so yeah there, there are different ways you can trade it like there are things that i've seen work really well mm -hmm. um like sort of like cloud fractals if you will like um edge to edge trades kijun bounces Basically, it's just like it creates dynamic support resistance, and then if it breaks certain levels, if it meets or exceeds certain levels, that those are actionable signals that you can use. And you take risk off the table or deploy risk accordingly. Right. So either that's uh, it's risk on, risk off. Yeah. Uh, it's te literally telling me what to do without me thinking about it. What is uh, your risk management uh, strategy? What's your VAR look like? <laughs> my bar, uh, you know, it depends on, you know, there are people who do really well on 100x all the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> These are people with a giant risk appetite. Um, I don't think I'd be here since 2013 if I traded on 100x in the beginning, you know? Margin trading scares me. Yeah, there's a time and a place for it. I learned how to trade on OKX, OKCoin at the time, which 10 to 20x. Rest uh, in peace, right? They're gone. Uh, they're, they? they're still there. Are they? They're still around, yeah. Oh, I thought they got shut down. The, technically, if you're in the U.S., you can't trade on their platform. Yeah, that's what. Um, that's what. Yeah, they're that's based. What. I think they're based in Hong Kong, which means they're not barred from the Chinese firewall. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I learned. I learned on margin. Uh, if you talk to a lot of people like BTC Vix, like, bring him up again. Um, you know, he he, him and Fliver, which is some random guy who's not really on Twitter, <laughs> but he's on Fliver. <laughs> He's on Telegram. Uh, I used to call him mom and dad. Um, <laughs> they were kind of like the top of the, the team speak at, at the beginning. And they were very influential for me as far as like learning because uh, they knew what they were talking about. And um, it's funny how uh, Whale Pool in particular, it's gotten all like it's gotten thrown into the tether Bitfinex mix as well. <laughs> yeah. So there was Whale Club, Whale Pool, Stake Pool. Mm -hmm. like, they all like forked <laughs> uh, based on uh, all these egos that like can't. Uh, mesh well with each other when things get stressful, which is why like these communities keep getting fractured and yeah. like everybody just goes back to Twitter, you know, mm -hmm. like uh, Crypto Picasso, well, you know, people like him will have this like private group and then they'll like disband, right? But he'll <laughs> pop up again a few years later with under a different name. I'm waiting for Asterix to come back. <laughs> Asterix, yeah, yeah. We we, uh, it's funny. I think we talk about him more now than we did back then. Um, uh, if you're not familiar, Asterix was this guy who continually tried to short everything um, he's probably the worst trader ever on twitter well there are people who just stayed bare too long mm -hmm. uh, there, was, there was a time and a place to be bearable whatever but uh the people are just trying to shove it 
down everybody's throats, including their own, every time when everything's moving up. It's like, you, you know, you're going to get bulldozed. Yeah. Um, what were we just talking about? Uh, Cloud. Whale, whale pool in the Bitfinex tether. <coughs> oh, yeah. Uh, or whale club. I don't <laughs> know which one it is. I don't know um, which sect it is. Just a random comment. You know, there's all these people who have nothing better to do than, like, speculate and be conspiratorial with each other, you know? Shut up, Bitfinex. So, um, Bitfinex, yeah. Um, he's gone. Or is he private right now? No, he's he's gone, yeah. Definitely. I, I don't know where he went. I don't know why. There have been some, some speculation as to why, but I don't I don't know why. Yes, for the free freaks that don't know who Bitfinex is, he's got a huge tether conspiracy theory. Uh, that Bitfinex and Tether are working together to pump the price of Bitcoin. Yeah. Is there any validity to this statement? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Uh, I can't like give evidence readily available other yeah. th- other than um, uh, they do have a banking account. It's probably Noble. I think Noble. It's probably in like Puerto Rico or someplace. They probably don't know that it's Tether. Noble. Uh, that was another thing I've heard. Like uh, really. Yeah, like, the only reason they have a banking account is because they don't know they're actually banking for Tether. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know how you can, like, uh, take, um, have a flow of, like, millions of dollars and not realize, the, like, the point or purpose of what that is. So I, I don't know. That's all speculation. But. They're getting fees. <coughs> yeah. The blind eye has been turned in the past. Yeah, so, you know, his big thing was uh, the entire 2017 run was all pumping on Tether, but... If you go back and look at it, um, things went up and down all over the place based on when Tether was uh, released. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I've never even touched Tether. Have you? Uh, yeah, it's, it works great. Yeah. It's, a, it's a centralized stablecoin, <laughs> quote-unquote stablecoin, that allows you to use uh, it, it as a safe haven. It allows you to go back and forth on the exchanges. It works great. Yeah. Let's talk about stablecoins. What do you think about uh, like basis and what's the other one that's coming out? Not uh, status. There's, there's a lot coming. Yeah, I think when they saw the publicity of Tether and like I don't I don't know how Tether makes money. Like Tether, I'm pretty sure Tether is like two people, and that's it. Like it just it's self sustaining. Yeah, it's on top of OmniCoin, right? Yeah, or, yeah. it's on top of Omni, which is sort of off Bitcoin. Um, yeah, I don't know how all these. Uh, so all the the stable coins had to make this another coin, uh, like D- DAO or not DAO, Die, Die Maker. Mm-hmm. I, I don't yeah. know, I don't know all the pairs, but um, there's, so there's the stable coin and then the coin that like supports the stable coin basically, um, because by itself, obviously, a stable coin, unless you just cr- create it out of thin air, right? A stable coin, an oxymoron. Is, I, is anything ever stable? The people who know more than me tell me that stable coins are never going to work. But <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Ari Paul. Like, I can't remember who, who I was talking to. I think Ari is under that camp as well. Because they're just susceptible to black swans. Like They're stable until they're not. Mm-hmm. And then when they're not, they're never stable again. Yeah, but they work when they... when For the most part, they work when you want them to work. Right? I mean, Loomdart said it best. Like All these projects trying to get freaky with algorithms to create a stable coin and Phil Potter at Bitfinex is just one dollar equals one tether. <laughs> pretty pretty Chad, pretty pretty simple. Yeah. He's he's actually leaving Bitfinex yeah, Phil Potter. That's been the rumor, right? There's it's I'm pretty sure it's public now. Like I've well, I have to be careful what I say most of the time because uh, I'm just in like back channels, right? And Telegram yeah. and <laughs> there's people who say stuff that I shouldn't say out loud publicly. Um but no, he um 
There was some article, I think, somewhere that said he was yeah. leaving. No, it, uh, and that came out like a month ago. So I'm, I'm pretty sure. It was like Bitfinex executive going to start yeah. slowly uh, departing. But if you were a billionaire, right, would you work a bit? <laughs> no. Would you want that stress? Like no. Bitfinex fucking tweeting at you and yeah. pulling up your, your audio clips from conference calls like all day, every day? <laughs> On TeamSpeak. <laughs> um, but no, one thing Tether could do for itself is like do the audits that, that they promised they were going to do. You know, like yeah. do some sort of audit, anything. Does anybody know who runs Tether? Uh, it's supposed to be Craig Sellers, but. Yeah. I don't I don't know who it is. Like I don't know. It's just like this shadow stablecoin <laughs> that works and I don't worry about it. Uh I can see the where people are getting worried cuz they're creating millions of dollars seemingly out of nowhere, right? So until it's until it's audited, it's like is the money there or isn't it there? Yeah. And at, at the end of the day that's all that really matters. So yeah, they they could use a PR team like of two more people or something, <laughs> you know, on I don't know, but no, no auditor wants to touch them. Um, Free Friedman. Uh, Why wouldn't they want to touch them? I think there's just too much liability. Honestly, like nobody wants to do anything. With crypto. But what if they audit them and find out that like it's fraudulent? Like, couldn't they get rewarded for that? Maybe I don't know. That's a good point. But right. Bit Bitrex just got a bank after how many years? Right? Like it takes a while for these <laughs> legacy institutions to come. Let's talk about that. Come online with all this crypto stuff, you know? Bitrex about to have U.S. dollar pairs for all altcoins. What does that mean for this market? I think in general there are too many pairs, too many coins. Yeah. Liquidity is garbage. If you look at Binance, to me, Binance is just a rolling pump and dump because it's like, oh, something's going up. Everybody piles in. Algos pile in. People pile in. And then it's just a ghost wasteland because yeah. there's no active trading. Uh, <laughs> rest in peace, Matt Brown's Tron bag. Um, I mean, it's somebody works here at Barstool got okay. really into Tron on Binance on the run-up in December. He thought it was going to the moon. But that's been uh, the problem with exchanges from day one. Like, Cripsy was the same way. Like, things things were just a rolling pump and dump <laughs> based on whoever was talking about it in some IRC channel, like uh, Will Long with Dogecoin or whatever. Like, that's just how these things work. They're just too many pairs. So I think uh, they need to be careful listing USD pairs. Like, yeah, it's great. We have on-ramps for altcoins now, whatever, but... I don't think it's going to work out so well <laughs> No. when there's a million different pairs. You look at BitMEX, there's like four pairs on BitMEX and uh, there's still shit liquidity on most of those. Like if you tried to trade ETHBTC on BitMEX, good luck. If you tried to trade Stellar on BitMEX, good luck. <laughs> That's why all these exchanges have these contests uh, where it's like if you um, trade on the coin, we'll reward you. Like it'll, we'll put you in a raffle to win like... 100 stellar i don't know like there are all these like especially on okcoin i see this a lot trying to manufacture liquidity yeah there's there's too many exchanges arguably uh there's too many pairs there's too many coins blah 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 this is just my old man (laughs) you know uh talking but um no but it's a good point to bring up because it really puts the re like the newer retail investors like at a disadvantage well how does a market maker deal with all these pairs I, i don't know I don't know how market making really works, like bare bones. Yeah, but, what's um, what's the total? Like, I'm trying to think of the price right now. What the total market cap of crypto is? It's, it's not too. It's like it's small. Yeah, it's like 200 million, now, right? Or no, no, probably it's like, like 300, 300 billion. billion. Right? Yeah, billion, billion, billion. Excuse me, yeah. billion. Um, with a B. But like, how do these FX pairs? There, there. I'm pretty sure there are fewer FX pairs than crypto. Yeah, pairs. I worked for a managed futures fund, and we traded. I believe we capped how many p- 
pairs we traded at like 12. Yeah, because yeah. for the most part, most of this stuff is just zero volume. Yeah. Zero volume until there's like some announcement, which is why Twitter, you're coming full circle back to Twitter. <laughs> uh, you're like Justin Sun or who, who the fuck ever just tweets this nonsense about like, we're better than everybody else. <laughs> We've got a partnership with Alibaba. <laughs> uh, or IOTA. Like, we've got all these great partnerships with all these garbage companies not garbage companies the companies are real the partnerships are garbage um and so is their so is their code and ripple's the same way they're like we have all these partnerships like every week i i see this like um so i worked for an ico for a little bit uh so in the background uh, i i saw the like the insidious side of pr and like marketing and and i could see it now with like all these other projects like uh you get this announcement that's seemingly meaningless, but you spin it up on all these articles on these just junk websites like Cointelegraph. <laughs> Telegraph, they've got fucking ads in Times Square right now. Do they? Oh, yeah. Apparently it's like eight grand just to get an article listed. Like, they don't do actual journalism. Like, they just charge everybody for articles. Uh, that's what somebody was saying about Tron. They were, like, doing research on Tron and figured out that every article ever written about Tron was a paid article. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Which is one reason why I avoid doing, like, videos or whatever on many projects. I was just talking to some guy yesterday who's like, have you ever considered, like, doing uh, reviews for ICOs or whatever? And I'm like, no, because even if I say it's it's complete trash, which most of these are, all they want is a mention right. with somebody with a, a profile so they get views. Like, they don't care. No. And I, don't, I just don't want to be a part of that. So Neither uh, do I. Yeah. It's, uh, and that's why I write my newsletter and focus on Bitcoin specifically. It just feels icky, man. It does. It's not how it used to be. No. <laughs> so, are you basically, are you, basically, are you a Bitcoin idealist? Like, do you see, like, are you in this for sound money? What, uh, what, like, philosophically drives your interest in crypto? Yeah, I think... Other than profits. I mean, I definitely, I definitely opened my eyes to a lot of things. Yeah. So, I came in with a ton of college debt, though I had no clue how I'd ever repay. Yeah. Uh, which is why I, I was tweeting at Peter Brandt yesterday. <laughs> he was talking about college tuition and how, like, you know, it was... You just get six jobs and you'll, you can pay your college tuition. Like, he said that? Yeah. Go fuck yourself, Peter Brandt. <laughs> so, I went after him. But, uh, yeah, so I had all this debt. I'm like how the fuck am I going to pay this back? I'm trying to get into med school. I I don't want 300 grand more of debt before I pay off this 50 to 70 grand, whatever it was. Um, so I was like, I need, I was basically desperate. Like that's how I got here, you know? Yeah. Like looking for some, some way out. Um, and I had this like small amount of money and some mutual fund. Um, like let's, let's go risk heavy and see what we can do. Um, so yeah, Bitcoin has really opened my eyes to like debt, sound money, um, libertarian ideals. I'm not really, I'm not really like identifying with most of the libertarian stuff, but um, yeah, that's uh, that's one thing. Like all my family and friends, are like you're like a libertarian hard. I'm like I'm not a libertarian. I'm just like for sound money. I think sound money is a good idea. And it's like I don't know what I am. Well, student debt's like 14 trillion right now. 1.4 trillion. Okay, 1.4. That's better. Um, <laughs> um, <coughs> all these debt well, uh, debt to GDP ratios are super high in most of these countries. Like, there's all these issues that are just like in the background. Everybody's got their head in the sand. Yeah, that's what I want to get a uh, Brendan Bernstein on here because he's got he's had a lot of good uh, um, like macro fundamental. Well, your background's economy. Or yeah, econ yeah. Econ econ economics. Yeah, yeah I studied yeah. economics in college. Um, but yeah, with like the debt, like if you look at the debt in the world, it's just 
at some point, like mathematically, it's impossible to pay back. Like if you were to be as productive as economy as you needed to be to pay back the debt, there's an argument to be made that you would destroy the earth in the process, like just like consuming so much. I can see that. And so student loan debt, car debt, and housing debt in particular, if yeah. you look at them, like the fundamentals are shit right now. Like yeah. you have delinquency rates is what you want to look at. And so 90 plus day delinquency rates in student loan debts, car debt, and um, housing debt is going back up. And that's basically what was the tipping point for 2008. Yeah. was those things going over, people defaulting on those loans, and obviously the mortgage-backed security is falling to shit. Yeah. Can you do a loan, car loan past five years now? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't own a car. Oh, like, okay. I have never, I that, mean, that's right. It's in New York, so. Yeah. Uh, I know, because I know that was a big deal when that, like, first started, like, five-year car loan. Like, that was unheard of, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I came for the money, stayed for the tech, right? That's what everybody likes to think. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, like, Andreas is a very uh, eloquent and, uh, I don't know, like, Persistent. What, he, what he says makes sense to me. I don't right? know. Like, he could be a cult leader very easily. <laughs> <laughs> and in some respects, he is, because, you know, not a cult, not uh, a cult, but here we are. The one thing, though, I always question whether or not I'm in a as you are now, too, but that's, <laughs> like, one thing, like, I look at my wife, I'm like, we're not in a cult, are we? Or, like, I'm not in a cult, like, I'm not. I'm not brainwashing you, am I? Like, or this is, makes sense, right? You don't think, exactly. You don't think you're in a cult until, <laughs> it's hindsight, right? Um, I just finished watching Wild Wild Country on <laughs> I Netflix. Say. <laughs> I don't think we're going to end up like Wild Wild Country. <laughs> I, I hope not. Um, but the other thing, uh, I was reading this book about like um, social, mo- uh, what is it? Like the mass movements of people or something. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, it like, sounds familiar. It was like right in the 50s. Yeah. Um, and one thing that was striking to me was the author was talking about um, people actually, when they believe in something enough, like they will move, they will physically move their geographic location. So they were citing like Mormons and Puritans and all these other like groups, these mainly religious groups. But um, so it makes sense that like we're talking now in crypto about people buying islands and like creating these <laughs> nations. Uh, Puerto Rico is basically already, it's already there, like Brock Pierce and whoever has like this area in San Juan, I think, uh, where it's just like run by crypto people, <laughs> basically. Brock Pierce weirds me out. Yeah, he's a little weird. He's a creeper. Don't trust the child actors in this space. Red Creighton and, and Brock Pierce. Yeah. Um, but it is moving that way. So it makes sense. Like, yeah. As crazy as it sounds, like terraforming an island and like <laughs> and creating crypto community, like that could be a thing. And then, well, then, then you have a cult compound, right? Exactly. And that's that's where you think about like what was it, the first season of Silicon Valley, the one uh V C that was his that was his uh his goal was to build like a floating island. He wound up like dying on it. Yeah. And it's just like uh stuff like that, like I don't agree with like I don't think we should be doing like floating islands and doing all crypto there. I think it's got to be organic. Like, Bitcoin's just a tool. That's what people have to realize. Like, if you want to yeah. hold wealth throughout time, like, Bitcoin's a tool to do that. You don't, not everybody needs to use it. It's just one option of many that we have right now. And there's an argument to be made if there is a financial, a global financial crisis, more particularly a cr- currency crisis, that Bitcoin just so happens to be a good fail safe, like, in case. Like, it's not, we don't need to on ramp everybody right now. Yeah. It's just a tool that can be used. You don't need to on ramp everybody. You don't need to make it like this. <clears throat> this giant thing for commerce no. um, like I use it when I can but I don't go out of my way to use it you know no uh, so it's really not 
like like <laughs> Bcash. Like it's funny. <laughs> it's funny to see all these projects just copy everything Bitcoin's ever done, right. or everything any altcoin has ever done, and it's like the cycle just repeats itself. Like it's all <laughs> this like rote script that everybody does, just to the key. Like it's all straight. Like trying to get merchant adoption. Trying to get fundraising, trying to get all this other shit, you know. B Cash is on a Zeta coin tip right now, down in Africa feeding feeding children. Have you seen that? <clears throat> yeah, E B Cash. <laughs> Brian Armstrong talking about that. Uh, Was he? Yeah. He, yeah. Coinbase. <laughs> I, I think Coinbase is massively anti Bitcoin. I've said that uh, before, but uh, that's been said on this podcast many times. Like it's it's undeniable. Brian Brian Armstrong pushed for Bitcoin Classic XT. Bitcoin Unlimited, I believe, as well, and then Segwit 2x. Mm-hmm. And now I think uh, <laughs> his inability to push those through has driven him crazy, and now he's just focusing on Toshi, which makes no sense to me either. Have you used it? Have you downloaded it? I encourage everybody to download it, <laughs> just to see how much of a joke it is. <laughs> I've, I've, I haven't downloaded it myself, but I've watched somebody use it, and I was just like, eh. Yeah, it's a miserable experience. We talk... We've talked about this before on this podcast as well, but like Coinbase, like you had the like the best opportunity in the world. Just focus on creating the best on and off ramp for buying Bitcoin specifically. Do that really well, and you'll be successful in the perpetuity. But he got too enamored by the flashy altcoins and stuff like that. That their focus, I would say, got got sort of derailed, and it has hurt their. I don't think I don't think Coinbase. I think Coinbase is going to be the MySpace of like the Bitcoin company world. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, they're they have all this money. They're doing all this M and A, all this hiring, and so far, in my opinion, they don't really have much to show for it. They're going after like custodial solutions and institutional investors, but maybe it'll work out down like you know, six months from now. You know, when Ethereum when they listed Ethereum, everybody was shitting all over them, but that worked out in 2017 when uh, things went bonkers. You know. Yeah, but then like their Bcash launch was such a shit show. It's like, wow, I can't believe you're like held up as the bastion of this fucking industry which they still haven't answered for it's like right? it's like the bitfinex hack <laughs> i will i will never let that go until they come out and say like here's what happened here's like do a post-mortem on the bitfinex hack do what? a post-mortem on the bcash launch right because it was unbelievable what they bitfinex did hack was what 116,000 bitcoin or something <clears throat> like that uh i think it was like 60 million at the time i don't i think it was 60 or 160 million it wasn't that much money but it was at the time it was, it was a lot significant of money. amount of Bitcoin, though, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it was like the price was at like five hundred or something like that, right? Uh, it was two thousand sixteen, right? It was, it was probably like seven hundred. Yeah, I, I, I just know I can visually see it on the chart, but I don't know the price. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such like a visual person. That's another reason why I think I've done so well with uh, charting. Like I'm just super, super visual. Yeah, um, like photographic memory type thing. <clears throat> um, yeah, but these these companies need to answer for these issues. Like they're just these open scars that have never healed, basically, right? Yeah, I mean, I was getting DMs from like people in San Fran, like who weren't working at Coinbase, like that were on product teams, and were like, "Yeah, the Coinbase." There were some people at Coinbase like telling us that they were going to launch Bcash. Like mm. there was definitely some inside shit going on there. Yeah, and it was very and because you, you had the launch coupled with like the CNBC fast money like pump it was just a very weird like coordinate it seemed very coordinated mm-hmm. actually it was terribly coordinated but it seemed coordinated <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah they tried to they tried to really do something yeah to, like start with a bang yeah and I don't know why 
It ran up to like nine thousand, like at one point. Like somebody paid nine thousand for B cash. I'm sorry. And that that's back to like this thing. We have too many pairs. Not enough. Uh, the order books are shit. Like, uh, yeah, you fucking launched that that market without a fucking order book. Yeah, that's why it, the, w- the stupidity level <laughs> maximum. Um, and then uh, you know people argue with me about charts, and I always tell them, look, like things happen on order books that you don't necessarily realize when you see it on the chart, like, uh, which is one reason I'm like lenient on drawing like lines through Wix and things like that. Like sometimes the order book is just trash. <laughs> it's the reason why we went up to 20K. The order book, I don't know if you were watching Coinbase at the time, but it was moving like a hundred bucks every few minutes. <laughs> yeah. Because there was no, there, were, there was nothing for sale. Like that, that's what happens like at the top, I guess. But uh, there was no market maker doing anything to, to mitigate that problem. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see <clears throat> Like, I've always been saying, like, Bitcoin's going to hit the scene in earnest, like, when there's a huge geopolitical situation or a currency crisis. And the liquidity crunch that happens when that, when an event like that occurs is, it's going to be fucking scary. I don't plan on selling any of my Bitcoin if that happens, like. Yeah, this latest, uh, so I write for Brave New Coin, uh, shout out to Brave New Coin. <laughs> um, and. I try not to, so I try to, all the content I create, I try to make it something that I want to read that people, other people want to read, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't really know anything about anything, but I think I have a good grasp on like... What interests people. Right. Yeah. Like, makes stuff interesting. Um, so, like, this past week, like, the news in general has been slow, so I always like to write a, like, a little bit of a fundamental analysis, a little more about technical analysis, but uh, I was trying to think, like, what do I write about this week? So I just went through, like, all the countries and all this stuff that's going on. And it's like there are these trade deals that are falling apart, all like TPP and NAFTA. Uh, Euro's falling apart. Euro's fall, Eurozone's falling apart. Italy's falling apart. Greece is still in shambles. Uh, there's the tariffs on steel. The tariffs on steel, tariffs on China. There's yeah. reciprocal tariffs. Uh, there's There are all these open issues. <laughs> it's like uh, I don't ever remember a time where it's been this crazy. Maybe it's just because I'm like plugged into it all. I don't know. There's a lot of Tinder out there. No, it's it's pretty heavy. <laughs> and then like yeah, the unpredictability of like the Trump administration period. And, like it, there's a lot of chaos out there right now, which leads to volatility. Brexit, Brexit, everything. Who else is trying? Somebody else is trying to. I don't, no, I don't. Is there another referendum in another country? I think Italy, right? Italy. Yeah. Be, well, Italy. There Italy was a giant went, thing recently. Yeah, they um, went through a referendum. But like you're like Germany, so for you freaks that don't know how the eurozone works, the eurozone got together basically to create an economic, a free flowing economic like where people could basically migrate from country to country and work without having to go through like visa stuff. Correct, mm-hmm. correct. Am I correct? In I assume. It? Yeah, and makes sense on paper to me. Exactly. So there's a difference. So there's a eurozone, then there's the euro. So England was in the eurozone, but it used the pound. It did not use the euro. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's two things. There's the economic, uh, economic uh, group, uh, the economic consortium. coalition consortium, <laughs> and then there's the currency. There's the currency part to it too. So uh-huh. it's two parts. You can be in the eurozone but not use the euro. But they also have like a, lo- a law piece to that, right? Yeah, there is. Like the euro, there's a eurozone like litigator or whatever. Yeah, which is one of the reasons why Brexit. It's like fuck off! You're controlling us. You're in, in Brussels or wherever the fuck you are. Exactly. So that's what I was getting to. Yeah. Like Germany, 
being the economic powerhouse of the eurozone mm-hmm. drives a lot of decisions mm-hmm. and people are starting to get pissed off about that and germans are starting to get pissed off as well because they have to uh basically compensate for worse performing economies so they're yeah. they're spending their tax dollars to help out people in italy and greece so there's just like a lot of conflict and it'll be interesting to see how it all all pans out this well, eurozone like if- experiment might not uh might not pan out well. It's like if there was a NAFTA coin. Like it's the same thing. Like everybody <laughs> right? would be pissed off that we're paying for Mexico. Like I think we benefit as consumers from cheaper prices from NAFTA. But in general, I think NAFTA is just a disaster for everybody. It's like TPP. Like how yeah. free trade just doesn't work. I don't think. Like <laughs> you're because all the jobs get sent elsewhere, right? Like that's yeah. what happened with Mexico. Everybody went. Uh, companies went to Mexico. Yeah, and as, as they should. Like do what's within the confines of the law like i don't blame them but go find the lowest means of production exactly like yeah. uh path path least of resistance right yeah um so yeah if we have a, if we had a nafta coin like i couldn't even imagine <laughs> what it would be like it'd be insane right because like you have canada with oil like their currency's pretty much uh tied to oil from what i know yeah so it's all the, the world in my mind the world is like like you said there's a lot of tinder it's pretty dry it's like it's ready to go yeah. you know <laughs> uh so we'll see but and uh that's another reason to be hedged at least a little bit into metals or i'm not a big metal guy personally yeah, um, i like the, i like the silver chart silver, silver looks really good to me uh, it's like 2x from here but our um, boy uh underscore tm 3k big silver guy tm 3k big z cash guy big silver guy <laughs> Yeah, um, he, you know, I, I think he's like big into drugs, whatever, that's fine. Uh, but it's recently made me like think about uh, drugs and trading again because uh, how that affects people uh, in general. We're we talking about cocaine in particular or just anything like uppers, downers, uh, mood stabilizers. Um, so for me, I, I have this thing that's similar to RLS, like where, when I sleep, I, my legs like move a lot. Um, so I, they gave me like this dopamine agonist and what dopamine does is upregulate your like wanting for risk basically. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like warnings, like, uh, it may cause gambling addiction, things like that. So like when I take, when I take that, I have to be cognizant of like what I'm doing trading wise. Cause I, I definitely, uh, was taking on more risk. Really? Oh yeah. Um, it's crazy how the chemicals in your body can really drive these. Yeah, but like caffeine for like an upper for me works really well. Um, if you're on uh, what is it, ProVigil, NuVigil? Have you heard of this? No. Um, um, so the army like developed it, similar to like uh, it's a similar stimulant to MDMA, not MDMA, uh, methamphetamines, but it doesn't give you the like jitters, you know? It's like Adderall, basically. Kind of. It's really hard to describe, at least for me personally, when. I'm, they give it to me because I like borderline narcolepsy or something, but um, it's hard to, des- to describe the feeling. To <laughs> I th- I'm pretty sure my brother's narcoleptic. <laughs> it's hard to describe the feeling other than like I've never felt more awake than when I was on ProVigil, NuVigil. Um, mm. I don't know. Like it's just like this vigilance thing. Uh, it's like it's not hypervigilance. It's not like jitters or anything like that. It's just like you're really uh, aware and like, I don't know. In the moment. Yeah. So a lot of like executives take it. A lot of like uh, stock people take it. Um, it's really good for crypto because it's 24 seven. Like you're making trades at 3 a.m., 6 a.m. Like you're up. <laughs> like for me, the days of the week are meaningless. <laughs> uh, you know, everybody's like working for the weekend. Right. But I'm like, uh, I don't really, you know, the, the clock is whatever for me because I'm just up all the time. Is it uh, is there better trading like during Asian market time? Uh, Western market time like what's better what's a yeah. better trading time I uh, 
so on Friday, Thursday, Friday, again, the days of the week, I don't even know what's going on right now. Um, but I just gave some talk to somebody, people in DC, we were talking about trading in TA and, uh, somebody asked me about this. And so in Forex, it's a known thing. It's called kill zones where basically like all the markets open at specific times around mm-hmm. the world. So markets move based on who's awake. Yeah, right? exactly. So you have like US, London, Asia, uh, all these markets that slowly roll open and you can see it on the chart volume goes up mm-hmm. um, in Forex. So in, in uh, crypto, definitely like sometimes Asia will move the market, sometimes the US, which has been predominant lately, will move the market. Um, I think that'll change with the ICO cooldown here. Well, at least more Westerners being wary of, of getting into ICO games. Yeah, but like the laws are nobody's the law <laughs> the laws exist but they're not being enforced, I feel like. Like yeah, yeah the SEC has the ability to go after these the low hanging fruit scammers, you know, that are blatant and obvious, like uh Paragon and Titanium that they just take down or what was it? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um <clears throat> But in general, like anybody can buy anything they want whenever they want. Like they're always around everything. Yeah. In crypto. If you have a VPN <laughs> and access to Binance, you're, you're okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you'll see that in crypto, though. Like, you used to see it in uh, a lot more when the Chinese exchanges were active, more so now, or more so then than they are now. But um, you'll definitely see, like, U.S. hours. Um, even on Friday at, like, 4.30, past 4.30, you'll see, like, a giant uptick in trading volume. You know, and who is trading at four five o'clock on a Friday U.S. time? Like, my guess is these stock people, right? Get off work and yeah, good trip, damn. And you'll see you'll see the same thing at nine nine thirty. Well, it's crazy. You're seeing like a lot of people. Like some dude just left a gold. Like he had an opportunity to become like C C suite level at Goldman. And it was just like ah, I made too much money at uh, in crypto. Like I'm gonna go trade that. Yeah, somebody it's, was. It's drawing talent. <laughs> it is. It's like the brain drain of uh, the olden days of finance. Like, but it's the brain drain to crypto versus just to. Uh, finance and stocks in general. Yeah. And I always said, like, to myself, like, I always poo pooed, like, any brain drain away from, because I tried to do, like, medicine, obviously. But, so I tried to, like, be a, a functioning member of society, right? To give back. <laughs> uh, but then, like, you're in it, you're here, and it's like, why would you do anything else? Because <laughs> it's just, it's so lucrative, it's so loose with your time as far as, like, what you want to do, put into it. Like, most of the days, I honestly feel like I go out, I'm shaking the money tree. Like, it's honestly that insane how easy it is sometimes. Um, how does it change? How does it change your perspective on life? Like you said, you taught, I mean, you've taught yourself. So let's talk about that. You're a biology major, thought you are going to be a doctor. Like you self-taught yourself how to trade. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you're doing well. Like It's, it's going has well. It, has crypto liberated you? <laughs> uh, yeah, because any other job is just not the same. You know, you're, the other part of it is you're by yourself. And it's right. there, the the lows of trading. Uh, I've never experienced any anything lower than the lows of trading. Anything higher than the highs of trading. That's another part of like the addiction that's coming out now a lot with people like gambling addiction. But uh, I, st- I can, which I can totally see because like the highs and lows are uncomparable to anything, you know. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely liberated me from like working with shitty teams on jobs. Like why bother, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's totally it's changed everything. It's changed my life dramatically yeah uh overall benefit oh for sure yeah yeah i think everybody it's like going to a nine to five being stuck in traffic well 
that's the other crazy like this emerge so bitcoin's an emerging asset class and a lot of money is to be made when a new asset hops on the market it doesn't mm-hmm. happen very often at all sometimes it takes millennia for like a new completely new asset to show up yeah somebody's comparing it to like egypt when they created whatever they some sort of money they created i don't know but um yeah, I mean, it's probably... It's like the birth of fiat currency, but the birth of the next... I would say it's like the birth of when people figured out that you could burn oil for energy. Like, that was probably like the last huge... I'm trying to think of my mind here. I could, I could be wrong, but I, would, like, I can't think of anything like other than like combustible, people finding out that oil is combustible and usable for energy. Like, it's an innovation on that par, and they don't come around that often. Yeah, I was listening to like Freakonomics or some podcast, and they were talking about uncertainty versus risk, and how uh, risk it most people can calculate, but uncertainty nobody can calculate. Like you can calculate it, but most people can't calculate it very well or easily. <laughs> um, so uncertainty is where the money is. Like these new industries, like uh, if you look at how all the railroad people got rich, it's like there were businesses that just created were created out of nowhere that no one knew was going to go anywhere. And then crypto is a lot of parallels to that for sure. Yeah. And what I want to jump into is that has created a lot of people with fuck you money who are able to like yeah. be like, I I can do whatever I want. And it gives people carriage, Kevin Pham carriage to talk about. <laughs> Kevin <laughs> <Pham>. <laughs> to talk about. Uh, he's a funny guy. Like how is, uh, I mean, but it's true. It's like, I call him the militant Bitcoin maximalist, you know? It's, I, I, that's a good description. I, I, Kevin, if you're listening, you need to get to New York. You need to get <laughs> in the studio. We're keeping our shirts on on this podcast, though. I'd like to meet him in uh, real life as well, uh, just because he's he's so um, persistent. Well, persistent, abrasive is another way to put it. Abrasive, yeah. <laughs> you know, I I kind of agree with some of the stuff he says. I kind of don't, but uh, it's good that someone's saying it. I don't know. <laughs> it's a shtick. It's a shtick. That's what people yeah. have to realize. Yeah. Like he, I mean, I have never spoke to him about whether or not it's a shtick, but in my mind, it's like Dave Portnoy, and then Dave Portnoy is a shtick. Like the dude who runs Barstool. Oh, okay. um, I was like, "Who's that?" But okay. <laughs> but like, it's a shtick. Like he is intentionally being abrasive, and I would actually argue like he is doing a good thing because it's making people think about uncomfortable truths that mm-hmm. a lot of people want to avoid. But it's better to uh, he would you would call him a Bitcoin maximalist militant. I think he refers to himself as a white blood cell. <laughs> trying to <laughs> that makes sense then. That trying to sense. rid the world of the cancer growing on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So when you when you're trying to like build an audience or like content creation or whatever, we like YouTube. You wanted to talk about um, it's for for me. What I learned is like it's all about like keeping in your niche. So carve out a niche for yourself. Figure out what whatever that is mm-hmm. and like sort of stay in your lane, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, shoot from the hip. Stay in your lane. Speak from the heart. You know. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, and you'll find that like yeah, if you're creating value, people will, will listen. Um, and one of the reasons why I started writing and started doing YouTube is like I was just seeing so much garbage out there. I couldn't just like sit idly by <laughs> anymore and had to like, I had to contribute to the conversation. Yeah, let's jump into your YouTube channel. When did you start it? You have like 21,000 subscribers now, I saw. Yeah I, yeah, I don't really pay attention too much, but yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I researched for this podcast. Okay, right, right, research. Okay. Um, not, to, not for me to sound like super humble, like, oh, I don't pay attention <laughs> to that. YouTube. 20, 2016, something like that. 2016? I think. And if you watch my early videos, they're all shit. Shouting in the wind, like just terrible audio. Don't worry about it, you know? Like, do, I, 
Just, I, I couldn't even breathe the first episode of this podcast. Like, I had a script written for this podcast for the first one. It was terrible. Yeah, that's how I started with videos, too. Like, I, I had a script. And then you just realize, like, just be yourself. Yeah. And you're good, man. Like, you, anybody. Um, and, and that's the thing, because, like, the space is so wide open right now that you can find very, like, niche. Like, this is my niche podcast, talking mm-hmm. to smart people. Like, I found my niche. I have the newsletter as well. I shitpost in the morning to everybody. Um but yeah, if you find your niche, there's so much opportunity in this space in particular. If you provide value, like there's that's a thing. Like mm-hmm. we're on board. Like this is a completely new market. People are becoming more and more curious about it. More, more and more people want to learn. And there's mm-hmm. only so few sources out there. So if you can become a source, like you were saying, like you have these Telegram communities and these small communities, and that's just only going to get more prevalent. So there's definitely a lot of opportunity when it comes to education. Oh, say. for sure. And there's value in like. Uh, sharing with people as you're learning too, um, mm-hmm. which I'm seeing a lot more of now yeah. than I did uh, a few years ago. Uh, like me, like when I started trading, I could have done something. But I, the other part of it is I'm seeing people who are trying to get this audience where uh, they like don't deserve an audience, mm-hmm. or they're just trying to like reap in those ICO uh, reviews and uh, ad revenue. Ian Bielma is that his name or whatever. The yeah. dude who uh, yeah. had his Bolina, private keys. Ian, Ian Bolina, Bolina. Uh, Supperman, you know, I mean, these people, I don't know. I don't I haven't met them. I'm sure they're decent people. I don't know. But just viewing what they do, uh, because I've uh, gotten on YouTube and, like, I'm part of, like, the meta conversation around what YouTube is and does and, like, the ad apocalypse, all this other crap <laughs> um, I'm super interested in just because I'm p- a part of the community, sort of. Uh, so when I see like all these uh, crypto channels that are popping up just to do like ICO reviews and stuff, it's just like, it's like, ugh, you know, it's yeah. like, I'm not that. I don't want to be a part of that. Uh, I don't know. No, and that's, again, it's, going back to like, I don't like when people like, I don't want to say I don't like, I'm just like, I'm not the type of person to be like, oh my God, I hit 10,000 followers. It's like. <laughs> The people that like just hop on the scene, like want to talk about ICOs and show their blockfolio every day, or people just just yeah. want to be popular. They're not really providing meaningful content at the end of the day. Yeah, but a lot of people get drawn to that, right? It's you easy. Know? They I don't mean, realize that that's noise, not the signal. <laughs> that's that's the hardest part when you get into the space is finding the signal. It takes years. It took me years. I was a Veracoin maximalist. Remember? That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's getting harder because there's uh, lots of fracturing, like we talked about. Yeah. With the communities. Yeah. Satoshi Nakamoto Institute even had a fracture. We've got uh we've got feuding Bitcoin maximalists, like even within Bitcoin maximalists, like yeah. world, there's feuds. Should you be the index? Should is Bitcoin maximalism the Bitcoin index, the Bitcoin and its forks index, or is it BTC in particular? Mm-hmm. The raging debate. Well anybody can fork. Like if I fork yeah. if I fork right now and I sell you one coin for 10 million dollars then we can make the market cap 10 million times the number of coins like so the whole like uh percent bitcoins uh what is it called index the, oh the, the um percent of the pie of bitcoin the uh market cap dominance yeah market cap dominance like that's just a garbage metric because anybody well, can create anything let's talk about that bitcoin's losing its dominance so if y- so you can curate it if I, I that has value I think like if you curate it and say let's include Ethereum and some other shit I don't know like you make some metrics whatever uh, but you can't just throw everything in there you know yeah I think that's what um, 
I think that's what on-chain FX is trying to do, is bring more signal to that yeah. type of indicator. Um, it's interesting. But I would argue that like Bitcoin is the only blockchain that like does what it markets that it does what it marketed it would do out of the box, which is enable peer-to-peer censorship resistant distributed transactions. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen any working dApps that like are 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 being used on the world computer. And then beyond that, like maybe this like like Litecoin, would you consider that like a working like it works, yeah. But the network effect isn't there. Yeah, I mean Litecoin's like the test net for Bitcoin, right? Like they got Segwit first, they got uh whatever else first. <laughs> people uh, people even get pissed off when you say that about Litecoin. Yeah, I know they do, but it is a test net. Yeah, <laughs> you're a big proponent of that, aren't you? What? Of Litecoin is a test net. Uh I'm not like a proponent, but it's just like that's what the way it is. I mean yeah. Like you said, like Bitcoin is, I don't know, it's the it's the one and only, right? <laughs> there will never be another one, ever. Uh, even if it goes to zero, there will never be another Bitcoin. I think if Bitcoin goes project. to zero, like this, this whole space falls to shit for at least like a decade, maybe. I don't think it will get to zero, but like, it would, uh, it would very much damper the space because I I think it it has to succeed for the rest of the space to succeed, right? I think so. I'm I'm on board with that. I think yeah. the scammers need to be put in jail. Like <laughs> there needs to be more of that because uh, I'm still seeing way too much of that. Um, yeah, it's pretty brazen. It's very brazen, and that's like I had Matt Corallo in here last week, and he was saying like I could easily like easily like profited off a bunch of stuff like being an advisor to stuff and mm-hmm. stuff like that like. It's just, it's not like, again, like you said, like it gives me like an icky feeling. It's like, I don't want to be associated with it. Because again, and I talk about this a lot on this podcast, this is a long-term reputation game. Oh, for sure. There is going to be a rapture one day. Oh, yeah. It's (laughs) going to come. Yeah, because there's Marty, the the brand. There's Carbonoctum, the brand. And nothing is faster than trust. And as soon as you lose that, it's gone. Right, exactly. Uh, Unfortunately, in crypto, a lot of people are forgetful about a lot of things that happened uh, years ago, months ago, you know, they just... (laughs) And these new people just, uh, it's like a wave, you know, when the wave fills the beach, the wave comes out when they're the scammers and then it comes right back in. Well, I got into, a, we got into a Brian Kelly debate with some, with some people mm-hmm. like last week or a week ago, like, if everyone is pumping Nautilus coin on fast money, yeah. like, <clears throat> yeah. he should know better than to be telling people how to buy Ripple at $3. But he like, keep, they keep doing that though. They, they <laughs> pump Bcash, they pump uh, Ripple. It's like... But the argument is like, oh my god! But he's been such a great advocate for crypto. But it's like, ah, has he? It'd be funny if to find out one day that they were getting kickbacks somehow to like promote that stuff. Well, what's the uh, what's the uh, conspiracy theory with uh, fast money in particular? Is like the producer, her husband is like a B cash. Yeah, I mean that's a fact. That's yeah. not a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, one of the producers husband wives i can't remember um is part of like the bcash foundation or something yeah yeah and they're always pumping in the funniest part about cnbc fast money pumping is that they use coinbase charts and just draw like shitty lines on them like like <laughs> lines that they draw with their finger yeah it's fine i mean it, it's uh, uh the point we're trying to make here is don't go to cnbc fast money for your crypto news and, and or and do analysis. and just do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Use the counter indicator. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that whole network's a counter indicator. Like Kramer's not not really doing anybody a service either. So that's what you 
yeah that's what you should come to expect with cnbc i just i uh, posted some article where they were like the u.s economy uh is unstoppable right <laughs> it's like uh-oh <laughs> that's not a good sign when no, you see an article again, like that go look up 90 day delinquency rate freaks they're on the rise again and once they hit a certain point all these debt derivatives go to shit mm-hmm. scary out there and i would argue we're more or less we have a less stable base than we did in 2008 if anything we've only made the system more complex and, and riskier and therefore more fragile to an extent so i said uh, i don't want to be like doom and gloom let's also caveat this with people have been calling like doom a crash of the economy yeah. for yeah. for years like nobody yeah. knows when it's going to happen right i was just like we were talking about earlier there's a lot of tinder there it's just like i don't see how you go forward without like some event happening yeah like in like the tax cuts and um i don't know the ratio of like stock buybacks to wage growth but uh i'd imagine it's heavier on <laughs> stock buybacks yeah like repatriation of money and blah 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 and wage growth and then you have cpi cpi is a shit metric for inflation like if you look at real inflation like you're talking about student loans like these are things people need to buy like loans houses healthcare, food mm-hmm. if you look at like food energy healthcare tuition costs the inflation has been insane the last like two decades uh and this is where people are really spending money on and then wage growth has been nowhere near like has been has not had the same pace of growth as these prices have and that's it's getting it's very interesting because we we're creating these very deflationary technologies where you can spin up something if you know how to use software and write software you can create a product for free basically and and give it to the world give utility of to the world for free so we have this thing where we're creating technologies that are basically depreciating prices we're trying to increase wages and increase prices of everything like Mm -hmm. externally that's not technology and we're having a a butting of heads i would say of of differing like of a deflationary reality from a tech perspective and a need to pay back debt which is an interesting uh, scenario we found ourselves in. Yeah, and even on, like going to these cities like San Francisco or New York, New York City, because we're here, seeing these people who work in retail or fast food or uh, uh, restaurants, whatever. It's like, how do you make enough money to live here? Because like right? when I was in that industry, uh, I worked in um, hospitality, like serving tables, basically. Uh, in my youth, and <laughs> I was a busboy for too long. <laughs> and it's like, how do you? support yourself let alone a family on that salary i don't know man i don't know <laughs> you don't like on bef- like after taxes especially in new york city like how do you live i i don't get it like that doesn't add up like i, I could barely pay rent I right if i lived here working at that job you know oh don't even get me started on the rent here i miss chicago chicago i paid like four hundred dollars rent in college and here it's quadruple that yeah, you're splitting it with two people. Yeah, and I live in just outside of DC, and it's bad. And it's yeah. only going to get worse because Amazon's probably coming to DC, and then there's like a million people, and then they all need places to live, and blah blah blah. So it's only going to get worse in DC. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, real estate is a is a finite resource too, so that makes sense. Like if you're getting a lot of people, but it's not fun to pay that rent. No, especially if you're like like you were saying, like a retail or fast food worker. Like yeah becomes impossible the other thing is they have like these people have to live they can't live in the city obviously because they can't afford the rent so they have to live farther away and then it takes longer to get the jobs blah 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 like even in dc as it is people are like 
doing these 90 minute commutes one way dc traffic let's talk about it how how terrible is it these days it's, it's real bad and nobody can drive because everybody's a transplant uh internationally or otherwise and no one knows anything about anything uh, it's amazing how these people get um licenses but yeah it's bad man yeah i like because we i used to live in charleston from philadelphia i used to live in charleston and we would my dad for some reason was such a hardo and instead of flying to and from charleston to philly when we visit family we drive and no matter if we're coming from Charleston to Philly and hitting DC like t- later in the night or from Philly to Charleston hitting DC in the morning traffic was always terrible. Yeah, you could be f- driving 4 a.m. on the highway and it's just like bumper to bumper. <laughs> it's like just <laughs> stupid. It's so stupid. Uh DC. How's the DC uh crypto community? Uh um, Garage down there, you got Queen Center down we there. Got Garage, we got Des, Desiree. Shout out to them. Um Coin Center. Shout out to Coin Center. It's definitely growing. Yeah, I don't know. I, whenever I go to, whenever I meet people in person, I always feel like there's a just a bigger audience online anyway. So it's like, why bother? Yeah. But um, it's nice to meet people in person, <laughs> right? No, that's like one of my favorite parts about this community, if you will, is like meeting people in person. Yeah. So it's, it's growing. Very, it's very easy to have conversations. Like, all right, we already have like a, a mutual interest. Exactly. Just dive into. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, the community in DC is definitely growing. Yeah. Uh, it's not as big as SF, that's for sure. SF, I think, is focused more on like individual projects or like DApps and Ethereum and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. But uh, DC is interesting because there's a regulatory government thing going on. Yeah, Everybody, really, at these meetups, is like lawyers or regulators. Like, that's why at the thing I was talking at, uh, I was like thinking, like, I need to be careful what I say because yeah. I don't know. It could be a it could be a narc in the room. I could yeah, I could be like a sub- <laughs> subpoenaed for something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so it's an interesting thing because there's a lot of like professional professionals there, you know, yeah, lawyers and whoever else. So how do you think this regulatory landscape plays out? I think there will be a lot of forgiveness, <clears> and then like a going forward, these are the guidelines. That's the only reason why I like the Ari Paul conversation because I agree with him on we need no gray areas in uh, ICOs, yeah. cr- crowd fundraising whatever because it punishes the people it punishes the good actors and gives the bad actors way too much wiggle room yeah so when i hear uh is it jake clayton i think jake yeah clayton out of sec say we don't need any new securities uh regulations they've been working for x number of years blah blah blah. like i get really disheartened when i hear that as much as i'm not like a pro-government person like seeing just seeing what we're seeing it's like there needs to be something done (laughs) can Uh, we self-regulate though I don't know, because even if the, we have regulations here, everybody will just go elsewhere, which is basically what they've already done. You know, they're out of Switzerland, they're out of Singapore, they're like some Cayman Island offshore, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so even if we have regulations here, will it really do anything? Probably not. No. Yeah, it's true. It's just difficult to be a part of the community. I think somebody who's trying to like stay true, like true north, you know, it's like, I don't want to be associated with all stay this strong. shit. Like, it's like it's like Ulysses and the sirens. You got to tie yourself to the boat, and and the sirens are the altcoins and all these shit ICO projects. Yeah, but then you and I get pigeonholed into these groups that we're clearly not a part of. Like when I see these articles uh, from BI Business Insider, uh, like Zoe Bernard, for instance, <laughs> writing these articles that are like shitting all over like libertarians and all these other people, and it's, it's like crypto bros, you know, um, baby like, getting thrown out with the bathwater type shit. Yeah, and with the articles on like New York Times, uh, that article where it was like everybody's getting stinking rich except you, and these like bros wearing these th- these the ugly sweaters, <laughs> which are pretty cool by the way. But uh, 
yeah, it's like, I, I don't identify with those people. I'm just like some dude, <laughs> you know, like I'm not, I'm trying not to be a scammer. I'm trying to be like legitimate and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, well, that's why we need more Kevin fans. We need more white blood cells just to publicly shame everybody. I think public shaming goes a lot, goes a long way to a certain extent. But then you have like the, the, the bots and everybody like defending, like anytime I shit on IOTA, it's like, oh I get all God. these bots uh, after me, like, just, uh, it's it's really bad. <clears throat> IOTA specifically. I just, I I can't not get pissed about IOTA because it's such a garbage project and it just keeps going up. <laughs> it's it's like, a pr- I haven't even been following, like, all coin prices. IOTA, like, hot right now? Uh, I don't I don't actually know the chart of IOTA right now. But, uh, but like, the chart, uh, the coin was pumping on Bitfinex when the, the network was not working, when it was down, <laughs> like... Maybe there's some like game theory behind that, as far as like people not being able to move stuff off Coinbase and there was or uh, Bitfinex, and there was some sort of like constraint on supply or whatever. But um, yeah, when I see that, it's just like, oh, again, it's, I don't want to be part of that. Exactly. It's, uh. it's just the like uh, somebody recently was writing about like the use case for crypto is speculation. Like it's there are no there's no better way to, to use speculative assets. <laughs> It's true. Maybe that's the way we bootstrap Bitcoin into mainstream or into a store value. You know, maybe we need to go through this shit. Maybe we need these shitty projects. It's, yeah. It's even, like a, even like Barry Silver, like greed and spec is what fuels everything in <laughs> crypto, right? Yeah. Still pumping ETC. Yeah. That's the one altcoin I've actually lost money on. <laughs> For the most part, I don't lose money on altcoins just because I'm super patient. But, uh, ETC, I just, I was, I was done. I sold it, uh, like, for tax season or something. I was like, all right, this is done. There's a, yeah, like, what are the, like, is anybody using it? I don't think so. No. Yeah. Again, they're trying to do these, like, airdrops. That's part of, like, this rote script of, like, trying to make, uh, drum up some PR and blah, 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 but Calypso or Calypto or whatever it was. Yeah. I don't think, uh, there's, again, there's not enough users. Again, the UX isn't there. Like, Impact to EOS, they're, Guess what they're gonna do? All these airdrops they're promising to people like I so <clears throat> about a year or I don't know if it was a year ago. Probably in the fall, I think I, I watched uh, uh, an interview. I think it was with Jason Calcanis um, with Brock Pierce and Vinny Lingham talking about EOS, and they were saying like, "Yeah, as soon as the mainnet launches, it's gonna have a thousand working DApps." And I was like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> <laughs> no way. Well, they have like uh, this like billion dollar pool of money that they're. Uh, you mentioned it earlier that they're selecting projects to promote or VC, basically. You know, um, yeah. Again, back to EOS. Like the proof of stake problem is, um, in their case, what is your reward? And it's uh, just being able to use the network. So the the reward stays within the network. Like there's no uh, impetus or incentive if you don't use the network to to stake so I don't know maybe it creates buy-in in a certain way but how much money do you need to be like a staking validator on EOS is it a um, I'm not sure is it only the 21 validator yeah well the 21 for sure but uh, you can like it's sort of like I think it's like DPOS or like a, it's a representative democracy where you like you put your money behind these people uh, it's gonna turn out terribly <laughs> You can't. We'll see, man. We'll you can't see. design like like that's it. Like people like want governance so bad. It's like you can't design governance in these systems. They're it's emergent. Tezos. Tezos, that's launching soon too, right? Yeah, 
When's that launching? I don't know. I hope it goes to zero. Just like just like <laughs> just like EOS. I mean, we're all getting our tote bag soon, people. Be yeah, patient. They're I, coming out. That was one I avoided. And then uh, Augur's dropping July 9th. I'm actually excited to see what happens there. Yeah, I bought some Augur a while back. Let's, uh, let's see what it does to the Ethereum network. Is, let's see <laughs> if the Ethereum network can handle yeah. a, a prediction market. Yeah. I'm interested to see if there will be a lot of people using that either. Again, like, who the fuck can use MetaMask? Like, it's a, like something like that. Yeah, it definitely takes, there's a learning curve there. Yeah. Hmm. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. Do you have a parting note for the freaks or anything? Anything else you want to talk about before we leave? Uh, what do I want to talk about? I don't think so. You know? We covered a lot. Just uh, be cognizant of who you're listening to and and what they're selling you, you know? Yeah. In general for the new people, because there's a lot of people selling a lot of shit. There's a lot of shit out there. But there's a lot of traveling snake oil salesmen yeah. who just roll around on various platforms and content and just try to connive their way into money you know they make a lot of money well they make a shit ton of money which is why they're here like it makes sense yeah i get it yeah but uh yeah again i'd like to think we're idealists all right i'm in this for sound money to change the world for the better (laughs) i think we're gonna do it i'm not in a cult (laughs) i swear to god we're not in a cult (laughs) i'm doing the right thing okay (laughs) (laughs) i I say this in the mirror five times a day yeah yeah this is good i promise right no but it really is um, I don't want to take up your whole New York City day. Thank you for coming by, man. It's yeah, been fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks for putting this together on the quick. That was, yeah, real quick. Thanks. Yeah. Shout out Zookie Chaylock for hooking it up <laughs> in Chicago. For, uh, cause he tweeted, you know, we should go on TFTC. I didn't even see the tweet that you're in town. Yeah. Until he, uh, until he added you and me. Um, yeah, you can find more about Carpe Noctum on Twitter at Carpe Noctum. Seize the night, people. That's right. I'm Marty Ben, at Marty Ben on Twitter. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, share with your friends. Tell people that are looking to learn about Bitcoin about us. I also have a newsletter, too. You can subscribe via the link on my Twitter page. Peace and love.